0: 94. I'm your host, Jeremy DeMerchant, and today we have another special guest. I'm going to lean into the microphone for this. Megan Mishak is in the business of transformation. She helps B2B sales teams close more deals, bigger deals, and scale their teams. For the last five years, she's been building sales training and enablement programs from the ground up, but recently she founded a consulting company called The Path to Presidents Club helping sales leaders ensure that every seller has a clear path to success. Megan, thanks so much for being here and welcome to Sales Team Rescue.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy.
0: So I'm really excited because we're going to switch the format up a little bit. This is going to be less about uh, formal interview style. And I just want to have a conversation because, I mean, transparently, you and I are in very similar businesses. And we both agree that there's enough help needed in sales in this world that we can all win and we can win even more when we support each other. So that's awesome. Um, but what I really want to get into today, and in all fairness, this was Megan's idea, guys. <laughs> uh, I, we want to talk about like rep development and, and what it takes to develop your team. And so we're just going to go back and forth, have a little fun, um, but hopefully answer some really common questions or address some major concerns that people have about um, building a sales team, what they got to prioritize to uh, to grow their sales team. Um, and actually get results. So, Megan, before we dive in there, uh, share with the audience what your background is and, and how you got to where you're at today.
1: Absolutely. So um, I started in sa- uh, SaaS field sales. I was in the payroll space, so incredibly competitive, um, You know, competing against the ADPs of the world and really not knowing what I was doing. And it was so interesting because for anyone who's young in sales, I definitely had those thoughts of like, how do I? How do people figure this out? I looked around. I saw people who had been doing it for 10 years and I asked them, you know, those top performers. And the weird thing is that they're like, I don't know. I just tried some things and it worked out. I copied what other people were doing. And as someone who is young, ambitious and hyper competitive, I was like, there has to be a better way. So it wasn't until a few years later into my sales career when um, I was just, again, continuing to struggle, kind of wondering if I should even stay in sales when I finally had a, a coach of mine um, who put me in sales training. And I wish I could just say it was because he believed in me and saw all this opportunity. But it was actually this moment where I was like, listen, I'm the only sales person on your team. Everyone else has left And and he's like, well, why do you think this keeps happening? I'm like, because you don't invest in anyone, right? I really want to be successful. So we made a deal. I would go to sales training. I went to Sandler sales training for two years. Mm -hmm. He would pay for it if I brought it back to the team. The good news for him is that I crushed my goals. I went to President's Club in my first year in that role. Um, The bad news for him is that I fell in love with sales training and I really thought that, it, you know, if it, 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 all of those sellers out there who were like me that were hungry, ambitious, really eager to learn, I'm like, if we can just give those people the skills and the training and the resources that they need, anyone can be successful. The nice. interesting part, though, was that when I jumped into training and enablement, I saw a little bit different of a story. And I think what I realized was that. Um, a big part of the, the puzzle that was missing is really the coaching, right? You can give people tools, trainings. Like, I think that's a lot of times what we do is we hand people resources and we're like, use this. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, right. It's like, I wish we could live in a world where we could just like insert a chip into people's brains and, you know, their sales training downloaded. But right. we, don't, we don't live in that world. So I've loved talking to you about this because I'm, you know, we both work in the consulting space now where we're constantly working with sales leaders, sales teams, sales reps, and really figuring out not only how to train them, but how to motivate them and how to coach them to make sure that all of that training actually sticks and that they see results, not only immediately, but also long-term.
0: Awesome. So I want to ask you one question before we dive into to our chat. If there's anybody watching or listening that doesn't know what President's Club is, why don't you yeah. share that Why don't you share that and let, let everybody know just to make sure?
1: Absolutely. so um, Presidents Club to me, and I actually have this even on my website, um, typically this is a an incentive trip top sales performers. So President's Club, in my experience, it has been, oh, for the top five reps above this amount of quota, you get a special trip. Congratulations. You get to spend a week on the beach in a bikini with your boss, right? Like so exciting. Um, and I think that kind of that joke proves like, yes, it's it's a fun trip, but what it represents for a lot of sellers is mastery it represents being at the top of your game. It represents hustle. It represents not seeking 100% of your quota, but seeking 200% of your quota, right? It is for um, those people who are, you know, like overperformers who are super gritty. And a lot of times where it's not the middle of the pack, it really is those people who go above and beyond.
0: Gotcha. So, the the pack leaders ultimately, if we're we're talking about a race to the top here, yeah, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So, so when you start working with a company, where do you see the biggest gap now? And I know, like when you were in it um, from a an employee perspective, um, you saw one 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 side of it. But now coming in as a consultant, is the story the same, or do you see other key pieces that are, you know, the the major issues that we need to take care of first? before we get into the typical sales enablement system?
1: Yeah. And I I love this question because so many times when I'm looking at what people are asking for, um, I I actually worked in enablement for the last about six years. So I was helping um, these global martech marketing technology SaaS companies, um, again, grow, scale, develop, hire, retain their, their sales reps. And a lot of people asked for two things. They wanted training Mm -hmm. and they wanted tech. They were really excited like, Hey, just do some trainings, you know, and, and we'll, people will learn. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I see people having now conversations where there's so many amazing sales enablement technologies Mm -hmm. and they're like, you could hire someone. Why not, why not just add a system? Right. Like it's it's so cool. Mm -hmm. And what I think is missing are really two things. The first is I talk to so many people, um, so many sales people individually that they're like, yeah, training is great, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to be working on. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what training I need. I um, I feel like the training that's offered like is, is great, but like, how is it gonna actually help me, right? And I think if we can, um, usually there, even when, I asked managers, hey, strengths, weaknesses, like how are you working with your, your reps, like coaching them? They're like, oh, well, we we have one-to-ones. And the thing is, there's just no direction, right? Imagine if we treated sales like that, right? We're like, for sales, we have such a clear process. We know what those milestones are, what the goals are, what the timelines are, average, et cetera. Like we have so many strategies. But when you would think about rep development, a lot of times it <laughs> – it's just one-to-ones and maybe there's – if you're lucky, you have a company – you work at a company that has um, kind of standardized career paths. And even in my last company, it was really interesting because they had every six months they had promotional cycles where people could interview for the next role. But a lot of times the, the, the standard story I tell is I'm a BDR – I'm the first BDR on the team. There's a huge team, but no one has ever transitioned from BDR to AE. Mm-hmm. And it's been two years and I'm really tired of like, I want to grow and I want to learn. I just have like, they don't have a, 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 pan, a plan or a path for me. And I have no idea what's next. Mm-hmm. Riley, right? you probably hear that pretty often. Yeah. And yeah. And so I think if um, the first thing that I see is if we can just align with the sales reps, on what their goals are for their career and get really clear. I actually use what I call a career um, coaching plan Mm -hmm. where it just, it starts with what's your personal mission statement? What, um, what are your consistent barriers, your consistent blockers? What are your goals? And I'm not talking quota, Mm -hmm. right? People have that memorized. They're in Salesforce every day, hopefully, or their CRM. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking, what are those personal goals? What are those crazy stretch goals that you don't even want to tell anyone because you're like, this is going to be sound insane. Mm-hmm. And I know it might not be realistic, but I want to hit President's Club in year one. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think if we can really align on reps with that, then the conversation around strengths and weaknesses and even just like what it, what it takes to get there will be a lot more compelling. They'll want to put in the effort, the work. And uh, especially when we think about rep retention, one of the biggest challenges I hear is I feel like I'm not learning anything, especially for top performers yeah. that are at the top of their game. They're going to president's club. What happens then to them? They just remain. They're like, just keep doing what you're doing. We want, We want to get everyone else to that point. Mm. So I think if we can align with the goals for the sellers – and what the path is, um, then it will be a lot easier to motivate them and to put those other pieces in place. Do you see that with the reps that you work with as well?
0: Well, you know, I, I have a even more personal story because when I was, um, not, not my last, what I call a real job, but my second to last, I guess, real job, um, I, I was a top performer at an online university. I ended up becoming a, a manager with them. But when I was having my one-on-ones, the feedback was, and I was like, I was literally asking for feedback, like, what can I do better? And the answer was almost always the same: just do more of it. Mm-hmm. And like that doesn't help me because one, the way I work, I'm not going to double my volume of like numbers of phone calls or anything like that. Like, you know, I'm I, I I do like build the relationships very deeply, close the sales, have to talk to less people to make the magic happen. Um, that that's my style, but but it didn't give me any kind of direction. I, I couldn't, I was stuck. I mean, thankfully there is a promotion coming up, but that's not the case for a lot of people. And if they're stuck, if we don't treat our top reformers with, you know, to give them that path, like you're talking about, um, and, and not just path to the president's club, but path to what's next and what, what aligns to their goals, we lose them. That's how you lose your, your biggest sales asset. Right. And it's, some you know some people talk about hey you got to develop your your weak points, right? But I think the biggest thing that most people miss is developing their strengths even further. And if their strengths are you know your top sales reps, the the overarching approach is I oh, know they're good, don't worry about them. They're always going to be consistent. They're always going to do the job. Focus on these people who are struggling, or give me enough data to let these people go without feeling guilty about it. And it's just a horrible situation. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, so that's where we got to change things. But when people don't, um, when they don't align the goals of their reps, even when they're not the top performers, right? They're like mm-hmm. it's the what's next. Like you need to stand out. And right now, where the world is remote, sales are almost all sales—not not completely all, but a lot of sales are happening remote right now. Which means you suddenly have a global talent pool to pull from. But it also means that your reps have a global opportunity pool to pull from for companies that are looking for good salespeople. And if you're not treating them effectively, they're going to go. And even if they're not top performers, it's cost so much to replace somebody. And we don't see it, especially if you're hiring commission only reps. You're like, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't lose any money in, you know, unless they're generating revenue. That's not true. It's just not, you know, coming out of, you know, directly to their bank account. It's coming in the form of the the managers and the coaches and all the other resources you're putting in and the leads that they're dealing with and not performing on, right? There's, there's so many variables. And so for, for me and, and to your point is being able to connect with their why, what's important to them is so important. Like, cause you want to show them that getting their goals is not just going to check a box or make quota for the month or the quarter or the year. It's going to get them to whatever matters most to them next. I think that's that's the gap that a lot of people are missing.
1: Absolutely. And it is interesting because when you start to ask people what their goals are, um the weirdest part for me is that people really struggle. Yeah. They're they're like, "Well, what do you mean? I've never it is, it's the quote, like is quota is my metrics numbers and everything. And I'm like, no, like, well, we know that cause we set those goals. Right. Yeah. Um, but we want to hear about you. Like, what are your personal goals? What's driving this? And I think so many seals people are used to being treated like a number, mm-hmm. right. They're being used to, to tell, this is your quota. Like, why haven't you hit it? Oh, we're just going to attack this on the next quarter. But when you actually start asking people, what are those crazy stretch goals? Um, you re- Oh gosh, you just tap into so much amazing energy and passion. And salespeople are so tired of being treated like they're coin operated, and that they like they're just these money machines and they're just following the dollar signs, right? Uh, because when I start talking to people about those personal goals and stretch goals, I've heard stories of people who are like, Hey, you can't tell anyone this, but I'm proposing to my girlfriend in in the next year, and I really want to, you know, bump up my commission checks to save some money for that ring, mm-hmm. and or um, you know, buying houses, um, you know, having babies, and it's also just such an incredible way of connecting with reps in a personal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. So I had a seller who I was working with. It was one of the very first sellers um, I very closely worked with because the manager had just left. And we he was his first year in a quota-carrying role. So he was a BDR previously. And he started really quickly. I mean, he was very aggressive, very excited. And he was really one of the first sales reps um, in the more mid-market, small-to-medium enterprise team that had ambitious goals. Um, And what I mean by that, a lot of people... They're they just set expectations They're like, listen, you're probably not going to hit your quota in the first year. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Just learn. And he and both of us together, I was like, hey, what if what what would happen if we just said, screw that? Like, you're going to you're going to hit your quota. Let's just make that the assumption. And so what we did was um, it's like, let's not tell anyone about these goals, but let's just let's establish some crazy stretch goals. Um, so we actually just wrote out one zero zero put it on a sticky note, put it on his desk. And I was like, this should be the standard. But if, if the leadership is telling you this is that crazy, let's just not tell anyone what this means. Every day he stared at that hundred and he hit it. Uh, he started in January, hit his 100% of quota in October. And then he's like, what do I do now? I'm like, that's a good question. What's the next sticky note? So he wrote two even more ambitious ones, PC and SPOY. He had two sticky notes. PC was President's Club. It was based on, um, President's Club at my last company was actually based on overall quota attainment. So even as a mid-market sales rep, you had a really good chance. And so he was really working towards that. No one on that team had ever hit it. And SPOY was salesperson of the year again, it was based on overall quota attainment. And so at the end of the year, I mean, he worked his butt off. He was putting in so many hours. He was doing, he basically lived at my desk as a sales trainer. He would like roll on over saying, Meg, I have a deal. I know you've covered this with me three times, but can we just like triple check this? You know, this is a really big deal for me this quarter. And I want to, you know, figure this out. Like this would get me to that goal. And at the end of the year, um, he, again, like didn't even tell anyone that he was working this ambitiously towards these crazy goals. He hit President's Club um, and he wasn't the salesperson of the year. He was only number three in the company. Wow. (laughs) In his very first year in the role. And so for me, I'm like, I think if we treat quota as the goal, if 100% of your quota is a goal, people are going to hit 80, right? But I think if we can really get people motivated behind those stretch goals beyond the numbers and get them to aim for 200%, -hmm. then they're going to land at, you know, 120, 140, 150, or 200%. So it's really aligning with that why.
0: So the, the whole idea that we just talked about and that point that you made that idea of setting a goal that's 200% sounds insane to some people. How do you help people make that shift? Because it's so easy to go, well, that's what they want me to do. Why would I do more? And even if you do associate that bigger goal um, to something in their life, there's still this, in my experience anyway, there's this like mindset block almost like, and, and, and to give you a personal story, um, when I was, when I was a kid, uh, I'd, you know, come home and show my dad my tests and, and he'd, I'd be like, Hey dad, look, I got 85%. And he'd be like, uh, why is it only 85? And I'd be like, Hey dad, I got 95%. Why aren't you getting a hundred? Hey dad, look, I got a hundred percent. Why isn't 110%? <laughs> and it's like burned into my head. It's like a traumatic thing, I think. But every time uh, I, I set a goal, I aim for 110% of it now. Thanks dad. Um, but it took this mindset shift to, like, what's that expectation? And in my, my situation, it was my dad just saying, you should do 110%, uh, you give 110% every time. But in a sales organization, to go above what they're saying is, hey, this is success. What do you, what, what do you sometimes share with reps or any strategies that you want to share with, with the group that might help somebody overcome that, that challenge?
1: Yeah, and I, this, this question is so fantastic because um, it really does require a mindset shift. And I think the challenge is that managers often are, tr- they're treating conversations around the numbers the same when they're presenting it to the board as they are when they're talking about it to reps. Mm. And that's really when you think about a manager, someone who is managing the numbers, who is saying, this is where you are, this is where you need to be how, what can, how can I help you get there? Like that, that is a managerial role. But when you think about, um, I want people to really think about like what it means to be a leader versus a manager. Mm -hmm. And so I think a leader is someone who, yes, they can talk to the board about where we stand. Those are, they can see the difference though, between truly leading their team It's that vision, the mission, right? And so imagine like, you also don't have to have those conversations. I think when we have conversations with our leadership team, the executive team, investors, um, the board, it's about setting expectations. And we, of course, we're gonna like want to lowball so that we can hit our number. Mm-hmm. But why would you lowball with reps? Right. Right. Like I think that if you the thing is, if you tell them <laughs> when when I talk to reps, when you tell them this is your quota, this is what our goal is it's gonna be the same as, as okay, if the goal is 100, I'm probably gonna land around 85, maybe 100%, right? right. Yeah. But if you can get them aligned on 150% of the goal, um, 200%, like I know it seems crazy, but with it is just a different conversation because it it doesn't matter as much to them if they don't hit that goal, their, their crazy stretch goal, right. right? What's the disappointment there? They're not. it's not like they're going to lose their job. But it's actually more pressure if you work with them on the, only the quota and they land at 80, 85%. You're actually adding pressure because then they will have to worry about their job and their role, right? right. Um, so it's funny because even getting them to focus on this bigger goal and getting them even more motivated to go above and beyond will actually take a lot of the pressure off of hitting 100%. Because they're, they're, they're going to want to work even harder to hit those bigger, you know, crazier stretch goals. Mm. And I think that's just the mindset shift we have to have in terms of like, what is the approach that we have and how we think about the numbers from a leadership perspective, more of like that manager perspective, but then more of that um, coaching perspective, Mm. like a true leader and a visionary and someone who's going to think beyond the
0: numbers. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Now, I want to respect your time. And I know I told you the time that we'd be done. So I want to, part of me wants to go into this deep conversation about coaching, Um, but we don't have time for that, unfortunately. So it means you're going to have to come back if you're okay with that. Of course, for sure. (laughs) Um, But I do want to hit you with the lightning round. So I'm going to throw a few uh, questions at you. So the audience can get to know you a little bit better. First question is this, we all know coffee is for closers What's your favorite coffee or comparable drink?
1: So for me, I am a black coffee girl. If you need to put something in your coffee, you're probably not drinking the right coffee. I love
0: it. I love it. I know. I am, I am the same way. <laughs> for sure. Uh, awesome. Um. So next question. What is a book or a movie that you would recommend to a sales leader?
1: Oh. Uh, one of my favorites um, consistently is Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. Mm. And it focuses on growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And um, what it is meant for me as a trainer and coach is going back to that, that assumption I had that if, if people just had resources, they would learn and be successful. And it's taught me that first, you actually have to make people feel safe with you know, admitting that they have something to learn. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible book um, based on psychology, based on data, but it will probably shift your entire perspective on coaching.
0: Yes, it is a phenomenal book. I will admit I've been through the book summary, not the entire book yet, but it's I It's probably
1: pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh, in depth. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, now, who's someone that's been a mentor in your life?
1: Oh, there are so many. Um, I will, I will mention a, a a mentor right now for me. So I'm in the first six months of my coaching business and, um, I, I always, I'm a mentor to many people and it's funny because a lot of people I always tell you need, you need like 15 mentors and, um, the pandemic has been so incredible because it really has increased the amount of, um, of people that are connecting online through LinkedIn networking groups and I've found so many mentors across the world that have helped me set up my business. So one that I'll mention is a partner of mine, Scott Sambucci. Um, he is a, a, one of the best business coaches in the world, in my opinion, out of um, the West coast, have never met him in person, but he was one of the people who really helped me get my business up and running, who is constantly showing me how to be an incredible coach and leader And, um, again, is, is, was one of the people who has shown me, um, what it means to be a successful, but also incredibly humble and, um, and just like an incredible person as well as sales leader.
0: Awesome. Now, last question. And I think the most interesting one is now you'll see that look on her face guys. It's because I might've gave her this question in advance and she's like, Oh no, what should I say? Um, the question is what is the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to keep you on your game?
1: Yeah. So this is such a hard one because I feel like I'm, I'm just so weird. Um, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a problem finding something that's weird. As, <laughs> it's problem choosing one thing. That's, that's weird and appropriate. I see. You can get, Make it as interesting as possible. We had someone whose answer started with, well, when I'm in my bedroom,
1: oh, I'll leave it at
0: that. You can go find that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: so um, I will admit I um, I'm a tarot reader as well okay. as a sales trainer. So um, even my tattoo is a, s- a tarot s- card. There we go. The magician, there she is. Nice. Um, and so it's very interesting when you think about tarot. Um, and, you know, basically it's it's about archetypes in the world, and it's been so incredible because sales is essentially puzzle pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I love tarot because it really allows me to read my energy in the moment, you know, re- register how I'm feeling, why I'm going through some struggles. And I think for sales, it is so emotional and there's so many cycles throughout the quarter, throughout the year for us as salespeople. So being able to really check in with yourself how is my energy? How am I feeling in this moment? What am I struggling with emotionally? And also, tarot. One um, quote I, I always tell people about reading tarot is that like it gives you what you need, not what you want. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to be like, oh, at the tower, everything is crashing down in my life. Makes sense. Tarot said it, you know? <laughs> so yeah, if uh, anyone wants to hit me up for a tarot reading or a training, that's, that's me.
0: <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, we, we appreciate you being here and I wanna make sure that um, our audience knows how to get a hold of you. So your website is pathtopresidentsclub.com. Um, is there so is, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience to let them know a little bit more about you or any kind of resources? I know you've got here um, just to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Um, but anything else you want to leave them with?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually have a really easy free resource. It's one slide that encompasses a lot of the things that we talked about today. It's simply a coaching sheet. So it's incredible for sales leaders who want to have more of those coaching conversations with their sales teams. It's also incredible for sales people who may be listening saying, well, my manager doesn't ask me those questions. It's a really good way of saying, hey, here's something I'm working on. These are my goals. Um, can we have a conversation about this? Right. It's a great resource for managing up- or of course, managing your team. So you can um, reach out to me on LinkedIn for that. I actually believe I have it linked um, or, or saved on my, on my LinkedIn profile or shoot me a quick message.
0: Awesome. Well, Megan, it was a pleasure to have you here. Uh, We will absolutely have you back uh, because there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, But guys, make sure you go to pathtopresidentsclub.com to to check out Megan and all the amazing things that she does. And remember, if you want to catch the replay of this episode, if you want to link right to the podcast, um, the YouTube channel, all that jazz, all that, as well as a link to book a call with yours truly is at salesteamrescue.com. I'm your host again, Jeremy Demerchant. This has been episode number 94. We're almost to 100. Um, (laughs) We will be here right here on Headspace TV next week, which is on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So, guys, remember, get uncomfortable, get results. We will see you next time. Cheers. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.